Hi everybody, welcome to Our Sinclair. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to be talking about Bruce Lee cool. on our inaugural episode. But since this is our first episode, I thought you, the listeners, might be interested in finding out a little bit about our particular gaming histories and what led us to this marvelous, marvelous 8-bit machine you see before you if you're watching the video version. So, um, Aaron, why don't you start out? What is, uh, what's been going on in the past, I don't know, 50, 60 years of your what? gaming life? This could be a short show mm. as I surgically plant it in your face. <laughs> so, my, you know, my gaming history. Um, I'm old, and so the first games I ever saw were uh, old Pong machines and the like. I thought you were going to give us the old hoop and wheel <laughs> stick again. Oh, like, yeah. man, you're really pushing me, Boat. <laughs> I'm going to Bruce Lee all over here in a second. So, uh, I, you know, I remember the first games I saw in the arcade were uh, were Gun or Boot Hill, and we also uh, Space Invaders. We worked our way up from there. So I've had pretty much all the minor consoles, all the major consoles over the years. Uh, our my big computer was not the Specy back in the day. Uh, I had an Odyssey 2 console, which we thought was a computer, but we were it wrong. It had a keyboard. It had a keyboard, but little else, mm. and it was barely a keyboard. Uh, but we liked the O2. But uh, I ended up having a TRS-80 Color Computer 2. Eventually, I had a Color Computer 3, which is sort of like the Dragon 32 in uh, the UK. Uh, <clears throat> I had that for years. I did school reports on it and the whole nine yards. And eventually, uh, we ended up getting rid of that and moving on to a Tandy 1000, which was a PC. And then PC began, and then I was introduced to the Amiga, uh, you know, in the late '80s, uh, and had an Amiga for a long time. But m uh, much like everyone else, uh, the Spectrum was just a machine I heard about uh, through our its American counterpart, which was the uh, the Timex uh, Sinclair, and which was renowned wide and far as a massive dud. And uh, didn't do any business over here. I don't know anyone that had one. I've seen them on Super Duper Cutout at the store. They're begging you to take them back in the day, but no one was buying them. Mm. And so that so that was pretty much as close as we came to getting into a Spectrum uh, until we were sent one. At least for me. What about you? What's your What's your story? So I grew up uh, with the Atari 8-bit line of computers, specifically the 1200 XL. Mm. That was the first computer that I got. I am much, much younger than you, and so by the time that my family uh, acquired one, they were already almost out the door. Now, is the 1200 that you grew up with, that's the same one you've got? So it's the there? same one right next to you to your left. Incredible. It's the only uh, piece of electronic equipment I have that is uh, from my actual youth. Yes. Um, so, um, but I played that, lusted after a Nintendo, like many of my age. Uh, I you know, got one of those, and from then on out, I was pretty much a console gamer. I had the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo, the N64, the GameCube, mostly a Nintendo gamer, too, until the PlayStation 2. Um, but when I went to college, I discovered the internet, uh, the, you know, the real internet, not just the AOL stuff. And um, I discovered a board called the Retro Gaming Roundtable. And there were all these people that uh, were into old systems. And I was into old systems too, I just didn't think anybody else was. And um, I went to the newsstand soon after I graduated, and I just saw this magazine called Retro Gamer. Mm -hmm. And this is where the spectrum enters my life. Because uh, you know Retro Gamer is a UK-based outfit. And uh, they had all of these stories about all these computers I didn't know anything about. And uh, the Spectrum was one of them. And the thing that, uh, that attracted me to the Spectrum, this was probably 2003, 2004, was the color palette. You know, it just looked so much different 
than any color palette on any old computer I'd ever seen, all the pastels, the really, really intense, bright colors. And uh, of course, you know, I never, never saw one, uh, never used one, but I continued to read about it through RetroGamer. And then when I went to uh, grad school, I went to grad school over in England at the University of Sheffield, and I was interviewing all these people for my, uh, my dissertation. You know, I had to write this book after I, uh, as part of my graduation requirements. And I was talking to somebody about, you know, uh, computers they grew up with. And he's like, I've still got my Specky right here in the office. And I said, oh man, I've never seen one in person before. <laughs> and he showed it to me and I couldn't believe it. Cause I mean, we didn't have anything with this kind of a footprint in the US. You know? I mean, the closest thing I could think of were those, those there, there was a Tandy, but it was a portable computer with a little tiny screen like right here. It was about sort of the same size, but there was no computer like that. Yeah, none. you know, in the States, we are of the mindset that bigger is better. And, you know, whenever companies have the opportunity to make something small, they add a bunch of crap onto it to make it a, bigger. Or put some weights in there. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love that bit. <laughs> exactly. And this thing is just so compact and so neat, and all the programming <laughs> commands are on the keyboard. I was just like, and even the keyboard was colorful. You know, it had all the, the, the you know, the cyan and stuff. And so... Um, it looks cool. Yeah, it looks cool. And from then on out, I was like, boy, one of these days, I'm going to get a Spectrum. I'm going to get a Spectrum. So fast forward uh, another five or six years. I'm back here in the States. We're doing this show, uh, our other show, the, the Amigos, the Amiga podcast. And uh, one of our fans, uh, in, uh, one of our listeners in New Zealand, Gary Hucker, Lo and behold, what does he send us? He heard about my want of a Sinclair, and he, he sends us one. So uh, we we had a Spectrum. It sat on the shelf for how long? Well, you know, he did <laughs> he did the AV mod, yeah. the, the composite mod. So we had that part of it done. But what we didn't have was an output source. We did not have a PAL monitor. And so um, I was looking, and, you know, the PVMs are real big these days. Are you familiar with it, with those? Mm-hmm. Okay, these are little monitors that Sony made for like broadcast studios oh, yeah, and I've things seen, like that. Okay. Yeah, 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 I know each other, yeah. And so uh, they're very expensive and they're very sought after among retro gaming fans that like to play games on CRTs. And I read that a bunch of them were PAL and NTSC compatible. And I thought, hmm, that sounds like something that they, make, that they made here so I wouldn't have to pay for shipping from the UK or from Europe. But, you know, I could play my Spectrum on it. So I looked, and Sony PVMs are incredibly expensive. They're three or $400. Uh, but JVC makes a similar monitor, uh, and I bought a JVC. This is a TMA13SU. If you are listening from the U.S. and are interested in getting into the PAL scene, um, I got one of these things. I mean, it was like $60, including shipping. And uh, it came in great shape, and it does NTSC and PAL. Fired up the spectrum, plugged it right in. Oh yeah, you did a little mod on the uh, on the power cable too, or maybe I did a little mod on the power cable. It's been so long, I can't remember. Okay, I think it came. I think that came. No, it, 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 I can't it, remember. It came. I think I, I did it. Uh, it came with a power plug that plugged into the end, and then they snipped the cable. Yeah. And I just looked around for an AC adapter that I thought would do the job and reconnect the wires. Who knows where that thing came from? Oh yeah. So anyway, the spectrum was up and running. The last piece of the puzzle was a uh, input or a uh, you know some sort of an interface to load the games, and uh, you know the Spectrum it, it comes with two input outputs. They're labeled mic and ear, <laughs> so you'd think that the microphone would be what you you'd plug it in so you could hear you know you you plug in a microphone and that would be where you put in the tape player because you're speaking into it. But that's not the case. 
you plug it into the earphone jack or what it says ear, that's how the spectrum listens. And there's an app on the phone called Specky Tapes that I, uh, that I downloaded and lo- started to load games from that in glorious, you know, five, six minute loading times. Yeah. Um, we've already done some streams on that. It's been a lot of fun. And the final piece of the puzzle, of course, is the joystick interface that I, I purchased from the UK uh, to, to complete our Spectrum gaming setup. You know, I, I, just in the interest of full disclosure, before we get this thing cooking, uh, when we were gifted this, I, I thought it was pretty pretty neat. It was a super nice gift, but uh, I didn't have that much. I mean, I'd played it. I had a had a look at some of the Spectrum stuff, and I like older stuff. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I, and I was like, I don't know if it's going to appeal to me that much. Well, that big a deal. And then uh, you got your setup put together. Like I said, this thing we since we had trouble outputting video, we had not done anything with it for a good while. It sat around for a while before you got it hooked up. And Bo was so excited when he got this thing hooked up. He couldn't wait to uh, show it off. And uh, so, and we played a few games on it. But we actually had a computer club meeting uh, a couple. Uh, it was actually it was last weekend. And Boat had this here. He had his monitor there, and we got to load stuff up on it. And I actually sat down and play it. And I was always under the impression. I mean, it's got no joystick ports, and it's you know, it's a tiny little thing. What can this thing do? And it and you hear your and it's cassette load. And man, I'm going to tell you. And this is not because we're starting the show. Just a straight up. I had a blast playing games on this. It was a lot of fun. It looks and controls great. I couldn't. I really was surprised how well it played. That was my number one concern. Is there going to be some crazy lag? You got this crazy thing with the joystick board. It plays great. Uh, and I am I actually very excited to dig into the library because unlike on our other show, the Amigos, where I've had an Amiga for years and, and had one when I was younger, I've my experience with the Sinclair uh, ZX Spectrum is low. Uh, I've played a, a couple games on it for our sister show, ARG Presents. Uh, and the few games we've played, but uh, very little experience. I don't know really hardly anything about it. So I'm looking forward to really digging in. And uh, this week we were we were off to an interesting start. And and thankfully, since we've got this, and we've only got the one, but I did get to play this on the actual uh, Spectrum. And then I played the emulated version, and so I could at least understand what the differences were. Cool. And yeah. With that, that's a great segue. Let's jump right into this week's game, Aaron. This week's game, of course, is Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Now, uh, this game is a, a well-traveled game, but we we had both played uh, this previously on other systems. We uh, uh, stop me if I'm wrong, but you up until this week, you'd never played this on the Spectrum, I no, guess, and no. I had not either. Um, now, Bruce Lee, of course, it, the name tells you what it is. It's a game uh, that was licensed. Uh, from Bruce Lee. Now, if you, I'm assuming most people listening know who Bruce Lee is, but if you don't, uh, Bruce Lee was a uh, uh, martial artist and action star. Uh, his real name, I didn't know this, but his real name is uh, Lee Jun Fan. I did not know uh, that. I didn't know that. Uh, he was actually born in uh, uh, November 27th, 1940 in San Francisco. And tragically died at the age of 32 in 1973. So he so died young. real young. So and young. his death is shrouded in mystery uh, as to what exactly happened to him. Um, Bruce Lee really made a mark, a tremendous mark in Hong Kong cinema. He really wasn't in that many films, uh, Boat, but the big, he really busted out in uh, the, the 1972 film Fist of Fury. There's a scene in this where Bruce Lee comes to this park and 
It says that he wants to go in and a guy standing at the, at the park at the head of the gate says he can't go in. He points to a sign. The, saw, the sign says, no dogs or Chinese allowed oh. in the park. And Bruce Lee looks at the sign and then this woman walks by with her dog. And he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> the guy's like, sorry, you're the wrong color. And these guys get together and they start hassling Bruce Lee. And one of them says, listen, if you get all fours and pretend to be a dog, I'll walk you into the park and we'll let you in. Oh. That was a big mistake. Yeah. Bruce Lee gets up and beats the tar out of this guy. It's so gratifying. And finally, he jumps straight up in the air, kicks the sign off the side of the, of the post, and then breaks it with his foot. Wow. And this was a real epic moment in Hong Kong cinema because the whole crowd in these theaters would rise up. That was their favorite. Yeah. It was a big cultural yeah. deal yeah. to see this happen. Uh, and Bruce Lee was instantly beloved, uh, beloved all over Asia. And, of course, uh, came to the States with his... Uh, uh, you know, he had a lot of good films, but Enter the Dragon is probably his most well-known film uh, uh, in the United States and probably abroad. Uh, 1973, a great, a great movie. Uh, this was, uh, amazingly, this was, a lot of people don't know this, this was released after he died. So he had died, right, you know, it was right Is this one of the things where they had to recut things? No, he, okay. he, was, he was there for the whole thing. Uh, and so it's natural that a guy that was this popular and famous worldwide, who was an action star, and we haven't even got into the, his martial arts contributions, which uh, Jeet Kune Do, uh, which I believe is Way of the Intercepting Fist, I uh, believe is what it's called, and it was his, his philosophy on martial arts was to take out everything that doesn't work and, just, and use everything else. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, he was famous for his one-inch punch, and there's, if you look on YouTube, you can find footage of him putting a guy in a chair and moving his fist about an inch away from him, and punch him and knock in the chair clean across the gym. Uh, he was also uh, known to Western fans in the uh, Green Hornet show. If you ever watched that, he played Kato, who was this awesome martial artist. And the Green Hornet was just sort of this like dopey, Batman-y type guy. Mm -hmm. And I always thought it was funny. In Hong Kong, that show was called the Kato Show. <laughs> they, they Kato knew what was, was up, yeah. <laughs> and clearly, Kato was the star. And if you ever watched the Green Hornet uh, it was it was the same people that made the old Batman the cheesy one, mm -hmm. and they actually had a crossover episode where, and they had to film it where Kato was fighting. Uh, uh, he was giving and taking with Robin, and so you can wow. imagine how stupid that was, <laughs> you know. And no, Burt Ward, not a not a combat. No, and even Burt Ward admits, he's like, listen, this was this is stupid. Oh, I met Burt Ward one time at a, at a car show, so. Um, this was the man that was licensed to uh, to this to make this game. So now for the uh, for the uh, Spectrum Ocean, of course, published this game. Now the development on the on the Spectrum is in some sort of. I mean, most people say that DataSoft developed it because they did develop it for all the other systems, but mm -hmm. I couldn't confirm it uh, when I looked into DataSoft. Now I want to talk about DataSoft real quick too, because DataSoft was sort of a pretty big player back in the day. Uh, they were founded in in uh, 1980. And they had a, they were a pretty big player back in the day, not only in in making original games, but also in doing uh, arcade ports. Now, but I'm just gonna there's a long list of these, but I wanted to name a couple that I thought were uh, worth talking about. Uh, they did the Dallas Quest, which we've covered before. <laughs> That's probably their always, most famous game. I always like that game. Uh, they also did Sands of Egypt, which was a real popular game. Now, listen to some of these arcade ports. They, they did some lesser known stuff. Did you know that the, I didn't even know this was been ported? Juno First was ported. I, never I don't even know what that is. That Juno First was, I believe, 
Was that the game that they eventually gutted and put Donkey Kong in? I could be wrong. No, that's Radar. That's code. right. It was, but it was. This was a similar game. Okay. Uh, uh, Moon Shuttle, but Mr. Do oh, is another one okay. they ported, and Zaxxon and Puyan. So wow. they, they, it wasn't like these guys came out of nowhere. They had a pedigree uh, with uh, with uh, games. Now we mentioned that this had appeared on a, a bunch of other systems. Just to run them down, uh, you had this on the Amstrad, the Apple II. Uh, which I've not, I've never played the Apple II version. No. I've seen it. Uh, the Atari 8-bit, of course, the C64, uh, the and DOS had a copy. Uh, DOS had a version, and uh, the MSX had a version as well. Um, and I looked at a good chunk of these. We can talk about that later. So, what is the is Bruce Lee the game? <laughs> um, you play as Bruce Lee, and your job is to go through this, uh, you know, like this Asian Oriental landscape to try to collect. Uh, lanterns mm -hmm. that are hanging in various spots. Um, at first, you start above ground, and then as you collect these, uh, passages will open up in different areas of the screen uh, that you can go into, or, or like tunnels will open, secret holes in the ground, and you will have to uh, not only defeat various obstacles that are forming your way, including like these explosions that come out of the ground. There's also these there's also little spikes everywhere, daggers, but you're also constantly hounded by the uh, two adversaries to Bruce Lee, which are the ninja and the green Yamo, which is a, uh, a, a evil sumo that's mm -hmm. out to stop Bruce Lee uh, from getting through getting through the game. Uh, and as you go through the game uh, and collect these, you'll make your way. You're down. You're up. You're in and out of the. Of, I assume is the sewer and what a sewer. Until you finally, I prefer to think of it as like an underground layer of yeah, some kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then until you finally end up fighting the uh, the end boss, which is this sort of fiery guy that you fight at the. At the, the at I was going to say, is the end boss ever named? As far as you know, uh, it seems like I read his name. I have to look. I can't remember what, what the top of my head what his name was. Uh, the game's got like I think it's got twenty screens mm. that you go through. Mm -hmm. um, the pre the premise of it's simple. But they're very clever with the level design here, Boat. Uh, now, I can tell you, as we talk about this, ha having played uh, all the different versions, not all, but most of them, uh, the v this version is faithful, as far as I could tell, in every way to the other versions. I didn't see any difference gameplay-wise or screen structure-wise to any of the other ones. Did you notice anything? No, no. Um, so, uh, as you go through this, and these guys are pursuing you. One of the things I like is that the obstacles in the game also affect the bad guys, mm -hmm. which is great. Friendly That's the way fire, it be. I love it. Yeah. The only difference is they'll come back. Now, mm. uh, uh, doing research on this, I read that in a, uh, in a couple manuals it stated that the ninjas, there's instead of just being a ninja, there must be there are a lot of ninjas. Oh, okay. Which makes sense. Makes sense. But there's only one green Yamo <laughs> out, out to kill the world you. Couldn't handle two. Um, what do you you know? I know you've played this game quite a bit. What did you think of this game? Before you played it on the Spectrum, and then let me know what you think of the Spectrum version of the game. I was always impressed with this game as sort of an open world platformer where you could, it scrolled in all directions, you could go anywhere, you could do anything. That was sort of a novel thing at the time, especially coming from, you know, a, a, a console background where I played so many, you know, side scrolling platforming games where you could only move in one direction. So that always impressed me. Um, I enjoyed the fact that this game was less about the combat and more about the collecting. I thought that it, it was cool, and I liked the way that the, the screens were laid out. They always seemed 
like the the level designers really put a lot of thought into every one. Um, you know, the the game isn't massively large, but it's just as big as it needs to be. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. And one of the things I liked about this is exactly what you said. You in, in this era, if you think of 1984 and and the games that were available at home. Any game that would let you go out and run around, and, and it, it seems so open because you're at this point you're very used to single screen games, and so I mean, and this it sounds so lame, but it's so true that when you had something that sprawled out like this, it was a big deal. Yeah. You're like, look at all these places I can go, and one of the things this game did, and it was very clever, is they would use the same screens, but in multiple ways. Uh, for example. You may be on a screen where you go all the way to the bottom of the screen and there's an exit. And you may see stuff on the screen that you want, but you can't get to it. Well, you'll you'll go to the next screen and collect some lanterns, and it'll open up a passage the next level up that will go back to the screen you were just on to allow you to have access to the stuff there. Um, It sounds simple, but it's actually pretty complex uh, uh, design. I mean, they really put some thought in how it works. And you'll go back and forth through screens a bunch of times. Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't feel old because you've not been to that section of the screen, right? And so you really didn't pay much attention to it the first time you were there. Mm-hmm. And it, I, you know, maybe some of this had to do with just using the amount of available memory that they, you know, that, that that was in the game. But for whatever reason they did it, it's really ingenious. Like I yeah. said, uh, something else that would happen is occasionally you'll go into a screen and you'll complete a task, and it, you'll have to go, you'll have to get off that screen, and everything will be reversed. And so it changes that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Sure, you're still on that same screen, but you're going out, and you have to. And so you have to. Uh, you have to. The, everything you're doing comes the other way. You've got to go out and do it. You know, go the other way. The, right. You know, the the obstacles are reversed. It, it's an awesome. Uh, it's an awesome play mechanic. It's funny. We just looked at a, a, a Bruce Lee a spiritual successor, uh, Tiger, Tiger Claw. Claw, and that is the one element that they sort of kept was the the level design. Where they made it, you had to go through certain areas to get to certain other areas. Mm-hmm. But this thing did it better, I think. And and I agree with Boat when it comes to the combat. I you know you can do flying punch kicks and you can do punches, but it's it's almost at least at the early levels it's effectively it's almost pointless. Most of the time, I'll just skip past the bad guys, or occasionally I'll whack them just so I can knock them into obstacles and kill them. Mm-hmm. Because what they do is basically hound you. And but the the good thing about them is they keep the action flowing. You can't linger for too long in one spot because they'll come and hash you, and they can kill you if they beat you down enough. Uh, and so they're so they're integral to the game. But in terms of fighting them, unlike Tiger Claw, which we looked at, they're not a big deal right. in this case. Now, all that said, uh, having played uh, the uh, I know you played the Atari version of this quite a bit. How do you think the the Specky? up with it. Boy, you know, I think that this, I haven't played a lot of Spectrum games, but if this yeah. is any indication of the quality of the ports, we're in for a good time. Because, you know, does this look as good as the C64 or the Atari 8-bit version? No. Does this look distinctive and does this look unique? Absolutely. You know, the color palette, while it's not, you know, you're not working with as many colors, but everything really pops. You know, whether it's the it's the sky, you know, with the mountains outside, just that bright blue pastel is so cool. Uh, it's a shame that the green Yamo is not green. Yeah. That would be the one thing <laughs> that I'd probably it, yeah. change. But when you go into the underground levels, you know, you really, 
this is one of those games where after a while, I really didn't even notice the color being absent. Um, I, you know, I was still just as fully engaged with the gameplay. And, you know, like I said, the, the water effects, the waterfalls and all that stuff, the animation is still retained in all of it. Mm-hmm. And because this game, you know, the, the levels are sort of designed with that tile-based set anyway on, on every version, you don't really notice a difference. So I was I was incredibly impressed with, with the Spectrum version of this game. Now, um, anyone that knows me or has listened to me uh, in my various endeavors will know that I really am passionate about Bruce Lee, the game. I mean, it's one of my all-time favorite games. And so trust me when I tell you that if I don't like it, I will, I will crush in the bad perpetrator of a bad version. So when we loaded this up, and, and I will say, we sat, I, we got to load this up just like you would have loaded it back in the day. We sat, and it sat, what, about 10 minutes mm-hmm. of loading time, uh, watching it come up. About five minutes. And, and uh, um, I was ready. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to be disappointed. And Bruce Lee comes up, and, and when you look at Bruce, there's he is devoid of color. He's black and white. He almost is ho- hollow mm-hmm. looking. Uh, it, what it reminded me of actually is like if you played any of the fan-made uh, Vectrex stuff. That's what he sort of looked like. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so, and I saw Yama. I'm like, oh, he's he's white. This is no good. Well, guess what? With, with that small problem, this was awesome. And what really surprised me, like I said, was how well. They translated the levels over and wh- how well it controlled. Uh, Bruce Lee is a game that requires uh, uh, fairly pinpoint accuracy to get through some of the parts, and the controls and stuff worked great. Uh, I believe what, uh, what was the joystick we had plugged into this thing, Bo? Was this it? this is an Epix XJ500, yeah. which I know is called something the ergo different. Stick thing. Oh. Uh, it worked. You know, you can't go wrong with the, most of the Atari types of sticks, and I will say the interface stuff worked great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had perfect control, and right out of the gate, I was doing great, which made me, when, when you do well at a game on another system that you've never played on, you know the port's solid. Right. They didn't skimp on anything. Mm-hmm. It, all, it all came over. Uh, yeah, this, it doesn't have the sound quality as, say, like the Atari, but, I mean, it's got everything. There is not a darn thing wrong with this game, and if I had been an owner back in the day to pick this up, I'd have been pleased to punch. And there is something appealing about Bruce Lee in this palette, with with you know with the way he looks, it's you're right when you when you mentioned at the start of the show how the the there's an appeal. It's not CGA, which I grew up mm-hmm. with, but it, it, it's sort of similar. It's but like CGA plus five. Well, CGA or something didn't like have that. any green, for yeah. example, or, and they don't have much else. This is it's it's it, it is it's a throwback and, that you can't help but sort of it's endearing in and a weird it's also way. like most of the CGA games I played just didn't play well. Yeah, well, you of know? course, this also had just better detail. This is this would be, and I will say, I, but since we're gonna get into it, I played just to just to go back and have a look. I went back and and got the DOS version of this and installed it and played it, and also played the Atari version, and I also looked at the C sixty four. Uh, and the Amstrad versions, a couple other ones. And really, the funny thing about this game is uh, when they converted it, it, for the most part, it looks about the same on almost every machine I Mm -hmm. saw it on. But the the PC version, the DOS version, is absolutely dreadful. Mm -hmm. So any any... Any uh, uh, comparison between the two would simply be on the color palette, and it's not as good, and it looks nowhere near as detailed or sharp. Yeah. The thing that has always impressed me since day one, the first time that I ever saw a Spectrum game in action, is the speed. 
I mean, yeah. games run so fast. It's incredible that I mean, it, I, it shouldn't be incredible to me, but it is incredible that this this machine, the game, the game selection is so vast, the library is so vast, the games run so fast and so well, and it you know it wasn't out here. It wasn't a thing. Yeah. It's crazy. It makes it the speed, and it makes up for any sort of graphical shortcoming right. in a lot of ways. Right. Because I mean, again, if you grew up like I did, playing like the clunky DOS stuff. You were not only was it ugly to look at, it also ran like garbage a lot of times. And so this, they they were much better use of the graphics and the palette, uh, in in my opinion. And uh, on top of everything else, control is king. And when you can use stick in the old Atari joystick, you're, that's half the battle. Mm -hmm. Now I do want to mention this, and I, and other people may say I'm insane. I'm very happy that we actually played this live on the actual Spectrum because I don't have a Spectrum, so I'm going to play on boats. And, but it, I loved it. When I emulated this, uh, and I, I used uh, two different emulation setups. I used the Raspberry Pi, and I also used uh, the PC. And they both played fine, but I didn't think they looked as nice. Now, I can't back that up with anything because a lot of, you know, we've had this conversation. I'm not the kind of person that says, like, you've got to use real hardware. Emulation is no good. I'm, I never do that, actually. So you can imagine my surprise when I thought there was a pretty significant difference in the way this, and it, like I said, I tried a couple of different emulators to see if it was just me. It looked, maybe it was your monitor, I don't know what it was, but it, I liked playing it on the Spectrum, the actual Spectrum, a lot more than I did emulating. I don't know what that means. Probably means I've got to get me a Spectrum. Well, I, guess, I was going to say, there, there, there is always a charm for me when I play any kind of classic computer. Uh, I like playing on a CRT. It I is, just think it, it looks better. It is wacky too, the, the, the setup you've got to do the joystick to the ex expansion slot. Mm. It, it looks it looks as ghetto as it gets. It almost kind of reminds me of the 520 on the Amiga, the way it pokes into yeah, the system. It's funny. Uh, it's very precarious. This one in particular is called the PowerPlay joystick interface. and uh, But yeah, I mean, you, you put it in the expansion port, and then you plug your Atari stick in there, and you're good to go. That was so. sent to us, uh, I think. It, it, was, it was sent to us from Etsy. I oh, bought it on oh, Etsy. Bought, oh, so yeah. that, you actually bought that from somebody that made that themselves? Or no, no, that? no. Etsy, I guess, is How for everything it? now. So that's but, an original oh, yeah. uh, joystick port? Yeah. So this, 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 and it wasn't very expensive. Uh, I think I paid 15 bucks ship to get it here from the UK. That's so a good very deal. reasonable. That's yeah. a good deal. So I guess uh, the bottom line, though, I loved it. It's got everything that the other versions do, including except, instead of having a, a lives or whatever, it's got falls. Mm -hmm. You know, it start, you start with four. Uh, the, uh, uh, now, I didn't play any multiplayer stuff. And then the Atari version, uh, when you have two people, one of them plays a Yamo. Right. I think it so, works the same way in this game. I think it's the same game, way, yeah. but I didn't have... Uh, I didn't have uh, another person to play it with, so I didn't get to do that. Um, the uh, the uh, guy at the end's a fire wizard, by the way. Oh, okay. I, I, I found out. Um, so I actually looked up. Believe it or not, I looked this up on eBay. <laughs> Just to, and sure enough, there were people selling it. Uh, it's funny when you look at these tapes because the tapes are usually really cheap, and I often wonder if they work in any way. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, but I found people selling not in this country, but over in the UK. Uh, between uh, five and seventeen dollars all day long. So easily accessible. Yeah, um, I looked up some reviews on this thing just to see what. And, and of course, we had no Spectrum uh, magazines here, clearly. Uh, and so these are all from the UK. Uh, CVG gave this thirty-five out of forty. Crash gave it a ninety-one percent. Sinclair user gave it four out of five stars. Uh, Sinclair Programs gave it a 75%, and ZX Computing 
gave it four out of five stars. Pretty good reviews. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it got really good reviews. Um, and I want to add, before we fold this one up, that uh, on September 9th, this, I couldn't believe this popped up. September 9th, 2018, a speed run of this game was done on the, on the Spectrum via YouTube. You can go watch this. They completed the game in a, in a world record time of five minutes, 42 seconds. Oh, my gosh. So I've got, I haven't got to watch that yet. I just saw that as we were, as we were going to press. <laughs> but I, I've got to check that out. Well, that, that sounds awesome. You know, speaking of full playthroughs, I want to thank the one and only Chris Folds for, uh, for uh, filming this playthrough that we're using if you're watching the, the video version of the podcast. Uh, he, he runs through this like a hot knife through butter. You can tell he's been through it a time or two. Yeah. I, I was real impressed actually. I was, I was watching that. And, and, and did, now, did you when you were playing it this way? Did you beat the Spectrum version? No, I no. did. Did you? I absolutely did. It took me oh seven or eight tries mm -hmm. before, I, and I didn't even cheat, which is un unusual for me. So it's un the unusual moment where I beat a game that we're covering. I was like, <laughs> yes, why didn't that tape? Feeling this? of power. Yeah, I did. And by the way, the screen we're watching right now is this is the hardest screen for me right here. It was really <laughs> tough. And if you love Bruce Lee and you want more of it, guess what? This is this is as timely as today's headlines. I just found out today that there is a new uh, sequel to Bruce Lee in the same style of this game. I can't wait. This is called Bruce Lee: Return of Fury. Unfortunately, it's only available on the C sixty four thus far. But who knows? Maybe a Spectrum port is incoming. They've got to port this. To, I love to see this on the yeah. on the Spectrum and on the Amiga. I'd love I, to I've see looked it. at some videos and some screenshots of this thing, man. This is just like it's it's just more Bruce Lee. It's everything you loved about it. Um, yeah. And so, um, check it out. Check it out. I can't wait. I'm so excited about that. So, Aaron, what is what do you think is the you know why do you think Bruce Lee out of all the people that have come out of you know Hong Kong Kung Fu Chop Suey Cinema? What what is it about him? that is enduring. I think part of it was his the fandom he had in Hong Kong itself and that in that area he was a very confident man and so when he came to America to make his to make a movie over here he had he knew what he was doing and and uh, he's also you know he we he was worldly you know he was from the he was from San Francisco he was in China he went all over it's funny that when he passed away there were many successors to his throne, and often they were called. There were guys like Bruce Lee, spelled L-E. There was Bruce Lai. There was I swear to you, as God is my witness, there was a guy named Bruce Wee. <laughs> but one of these guys was another. Uh, uh, there's only a few martial artists you would put in the same league as Jack, as as uh, Bruce Lee. What of is Jack, excluded. What exactly? One of them is Jackie Chan, and Jackie Chan. I believe the movie he was in was called The New Fist of Fury. And he, or Fist of Fury 2, I can't remember, but he play, he was one of the fake Bruce Lees. Really? In fact, he was in the background in, I believe it was, uh, I believe he was in the background in one of the scenes for uh, uh, one of Bruce Lee's big hits. I can't remember which one for, uh, exactly, but so when you put him in, that's a rarefied air. But they both had the same appeal. They were great martial artists, they were interesting, and they were, wor they'd been around to different parts of the world. So I think that's a big chunk of it. Plus, you've got to remember that Bruce Lee came around at the right time when that martial arts craze was starting to sweep into the United States. Yeah, speaking of which, did he have any influence on you as far as when you decided to begin your martial arts studies? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I loved Bruce Lee as soon as I knew what martial arts were. I used to watch the Green Hornet and the Batman show, and so anytime Kato was on the screen, I was always fired up. I didn't know who he was. 
I, and as I got older, I mean, Bruce Lee had some interesting philosophies. If you look at, on YouTube at some of the stuff, they, you know, he has some video interviews and stuff. He's got an interview where he talks about being like water, and, and his philosophies on martial arts and life were, uh, I always found him a very remarkable fellow. And uh, it's a shame that the tragedy that befell him also befell his son, Brandon, who was also tragically killed at the peak of his popularity when he was making The Crow in an unfortunate on uh, movie accident that's you know, pretty famous. He was shot by, uh, he basically shot himself with a gun that he thought had blanks in it, and he, it killed him. It's awful. Uh, and so it was, uh, uh, it was, and sadly, The Crow went on to be a huge success, mm-hmm. and he would have been a huge star out of that. So... I don't know, the Bruce Lee, uh, the Bruce Lee story is is tragic, but it, it it was an inspirational guy. And anyone that's in the martial arts, I mean, I think you can uh, take Bruce Lee and move him all the way into MMA, modern MMA. A lot of the guys that started that or that were successful in it started because Bruce Lee inspired them. So yeah, he's he's pretty pivotal to me. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so those of you that are listening, I have a question for you. Uh, um, what is your favorite martial arts game on the spectrum? Because we're always looking for different stuff. Um, you know, we're going to circle back around to this martial arts game category again for too long, and we want to know what your favorite games are. So drop us a line. You can reach us in myriad ways. You can uh, either uh, contact us through email at feedback at rsinclair.com. You're watching on YouTube. You can leave us a comment there. Uh, you can um, comment on if you reach us through rsinclair.com. You can comment on the blog post. Uh, however, you want to get in touch with us, uh, we'd love to hear your favorite Spectrum martial arts games for sure. Uh, Aaron, speaking of the show, mm-hmm. um, if you enjoy this show, if you want, uh, if you want it to go on. Uh, uh, we have a Patreon page if you want to support us, support our work. We're gonna, we plan on making this show a weekly endeavor, uh, making us, I believe, the only week, weekly uh, ZX Spectrum podcast. If you go to patreon.com slash our Sinclair, you can see uh, our, our page. Uh, there are, we've got some rewards. If you support us at any level, you get access to our Amigos Retro Gaming Discord channel. We've got tons of people on there already um, from our other show, Amigos. Uh, it's a great time. You can chat about the Spectrum, uh, retro computing, modern gaming, anything you want. There's people on there from all over the world. All there. It's the friendliest folks you'll meet. Beautiful on the photos of people going on great vacations. Oh yeah, we'll never know. That's true. That's true. Um, if you support us as a Spectrum supporter, uh, you once a year we will send you an exclusive magnet. This year's magnet features the one and only Dizzy. Um, uh, we, uh, we've got a, a great guy over in Hawaii, Jonas Ruler, that makes these amazing magnets. Very good friend of uh, show. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy, and his work is top, top shelf. Yes, it is. Um, and finally, uh, if you join us uh, as a member of Clive's Club, you can, uh, you can help us choose the game that we play every week. Um, we're lucky enough that we already have four members of Clive's Club Chris Folds, Paul Harrington, Pixels at Dawn, and Christopher Hassel. Thank you guys for jumping on board even before episode one. Um, we, what if we just gotten on here and it just been static, <laughs> or just us like making underarm fart noises for an hour? <laughs> right. They would still. That's your club right there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and if you really want to go off the deep end and become a serious Spectrum superstar, once a year, Aaron and I will send you a box chock full of games both strange and unusual from our massive personal collections. 
Um, we we both have quite the collection of uh, retro gaming accoutrement, um, being both pinball machine and arcade machine owners, plus owners of many, many, many consoles and games. So uh, those are all the levels. Of course, if you just want to listen, that's fine too. We appreciate you just spreading the word, letting people know that this show exists. That's a huge help to us. Um, we really appreciate you listening. We do record the show live every Friday night. Uh, probably will start around 6.30, 6.45 uh, Eastern Time. That is late for you guys in Europe. We apologize for that, but that's just when, when we can record. But you can always catch us after the fact. Uh, we do record live on YouTube with the chat. we got tons of people in the chat right now. I uh, want to thank uh, Pixel Vixen, UK Retro Gamer, Edvin Helen, 10-Minute Amiga Retrocast, Amiga Bong, Jason Warns, Gary Hucker, Pixel Vixen, I think I already said that, Henrik Packbilly, um, Slow Norris is here for the first time joining us on a live stream. So thank you guys so much for, for staying up late with us, those of you in Europe. Um, we are, you can subscribe to the podcast in all the usual places. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Podcasts. We're on Spotify. You can listen to us however you want. Real player. Real player. Right. Um, Winamp. Winamp. Man, I love Winamp. <laughs> We're on vinyl. <laughs> We've got an eight track coming out. That's that's the next level we up have, in the in the in the Patreon strategically support. Strategically grooved stone, everything, <laughs> cylinders, cylinders. Um, and we'll be back again next week. We're gonna play a new game. We're gonna play. This is Aaron. You're gonna love this game. All right. Chaos: The Battle of Wizards. Yeah, <laughs> that's my kind of game. It's got a cool title. Yeah. The good thing, you know, the crazy thing about this is like I have no idea about any of these. Right. Games are. This this could either be some <laughs> sort of D and D game, or maybe it's like a wizard broomstick flying simulator. Yeah, no clue. I'm yeah. looking forward to it though. Yeah. Well, we'll be back again next week. And until then, rewind tape and press play.